0: You give life. You are love.
1: Good morning. It's good to see everyone. If you're a a person of faith and a praying person, you may just pray, because for some unknown reason, the uh, feed is not on on Facebook, so we'll be working on that. But other than that, welcome. Um, It's good to see you. I want to read this morning from Psalm chapter 2. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? For his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. It's already the middle of July. The year is quickly going past and the temperature continues to get warmer. But it is good to join together in the name of the Lord and to meet in the name of the one who is our refuge and our strength and a very present help in times of trouble. We to continue to, to meet in this way, and on um, Facebook, I just want to let you know that if, if you are interested in joining them in to pray, they're continuing to meet on Monday mornings at 6.30 at Elk Diner, and so you are invited and welcome to attend if you're comfortable with that. Also, just encourage you throughout the week to, to enlist you know, take up the opportunities to reach people with with the phone or through email and just remain in contact with one another as we continue to to move forward um, during this season. Before we continue on with singing, I would like to to lead us in a word of prayer, just praying for for God to be with our time this morning and just to bless our, our meeting together. So will you join me in prayer? Father, we are grateful that we can call on the name of the one who is our refuge the one who is our ever-present help in time of trouble, the one that we can run to in time of need, in time of comfort, when we're afraid, when we're worried, when we have doubts, when we're sick, when we're hurting, that we can run to you. And we run to you this morning as we lift up our voices with one another in song. We Cry out to the one who is able, the one who is willing, the one who will work, the one who does great and wonderful things in the midst of his people. And so we thank you for your presence here. We thank you that we are able to be here this morning. We thank you that you are Lord over all things. You're Lord over physical sickness, you're Lord over technology, you're Lord over the economy. You're Lord of everything that happens in this world. And we yield to you this morning. Father, we thank you that all the earth will one day bless your name and help us to bless your name this morning with our songs, with our voices, with our hearts. We thank you that you are with us, whether we're here or whether we're apart. And we thank you for that in the name of of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we pray in his name. Amen. We join us as we continue to sing together this morning. brought a Bible you Matthew chapter 28 and we'll be there in just a second as we continue on and draw near the conclusion of our series that we have been looking at for a good while about what makes a great church and you remember we looked at a great God we looked at the greatness of his salvation. We looked at a great victory, and today, as we open up God's word together, I want us to look at God's great mission. Early on in the days of World War II, the German army had began advancing through the northern part of France, and the British. Troops were cut off from their French allies. They were surrounded on three sides by the German army, and their backs were up against the sea. And they were in the great need of a miracle. Admiral Ramsey of the British Navy initiated Operation Dynamo drawing together a collection of every type of small watercraft imaginable, and with the relentless help of the Royal Air Force, who managed to hold off the German Luftwaffe, 330,000 men were rescued from the beaches of Dunkirk from a time of certain disaster. George Fielding Elliott, an army officer and news writer during the time, wrote these words. It says, No purely military study of the major aspects of the war could do justice to the skill and heroism of the evacuation from Dunkirk. Suffice us to say that only then it would begin, members of the British Imperial General Staff doubted that only 25% of the forces could be saved. But with one of the most motley, fleets of history ships transports merchant men fishing boats pleasure craft they took men off from very and with very few ports left they took men from open beaches delivered them from german air attacks and it became dubbed as the miracle at dunkirk i encourage you to look into it it's a fascinating story Um, The movie Dunkirk is a little difficult to follow, but there are some documentaries, one titled The Miracle at Dunkirk, that give a fascinating account of the tale. But today I want us to look at an even greater rescue plan. In fact, it's the greatest mission of all time. It's God's mission to gather a people from every nation who will enjoy His grace and extend His glory. See, God's mission is the very heart of what Jesus spoke in those parting words to His disciples. We call it the Great Commission. And there's some form of it in all four of the Gospels. So if you have your your Bible open, let's look at chapter 28, starting in verse 16. We're just going to read there to the end of the chapter. It's very few verses this morning. teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Father, this morning we hold on to the promise of your word, that you are with us always to the end of the age. And we thank you that through the gift of your word and the gift of your spirit, that we can study and learn and that you would apply your word to our hearts to our lives. Teach us this morning, God, for we need to hear from you, and we ask that in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. I love history. I love military history. To read the stories of those plans that were developed, strategies that were poured over, attacks that were initiated, and counterattacks that came from the other side. And you see these Great combinations of tactical wisdom and some good old fashioned ingenuity put together, hopefully, to lead to victory. And in the words of Hannibal on the old TV show A Team, I love it when a plan comes together, when you see just victory happen. And today we're going to look at the greatest plan, the greatest mission. It was designed by God, it's destined for success. And it offers deliverance from sin, death, and hell. Because let me tell you this. The first thing, God has a mission. I said it just a minute ago, a mission to gather a people from every nation who will enjoy His grace and extend His glory. And it all starts with the glory of God. It's what's reflected in all of creation from the flowers to the trees, the sky, the sun, moon, and stars, but especially in man, human beings, created in His image, made for a relationship with Him. We see in the very beginnings in the book of Genesis that perfect example, Adam and Eve, God's people at the time, together in perfect fellowship with God. We see Adam and Eve rebel against God. And although God sends them out of the garden, although there are consequences, there is hope. There's a promise of deliverance that this seed of a woman would come and strike the serpent. And the rest of the Bible, Genesis all the way to Revelation, is God's beautiful story of redemption. Of mending what was broken. You see, God doesn't just sit idly about. God is working around the world. God is a missionary God. God didn't wait for people to come to Him. No, God came to them. God met Abraham. God came to Moses. God spoke through the prophets. God sent His Son, Jesus, to the world to start a plan that He had from the very beginning. He had always desired and wanted a people of His very own, of His own choosing, that would love Him and that would obey Him. And through those two things, through loving Him and obeying Him, would show His glory to the world. But God's people, Israel, resisted. Although they were chosen, they were His people and they bore His name, their sinful hearts kept resisting. God longed for them to be a demonstration of His work and His power to make His name known among the nations. And if you look through the pattern of the Old Testament, you see resistance, judgment, judgment, crying out, deliverance, and then the process repeats. They never last very long at doing what God had initiated them to do. But all along, God had a plan, and that plan would not be thwarted by men to make Himself known, to bring glory to His name, to bless all the world through His very own God had a plan, a plan for a Redeemer, promised in the Old Testament, spoke of by the prophets that this Messiah would come. And we find when we get to the New Testament that this Messiah was His one and only Son, Jesus, sent by the Father into the world to save people from their sin. Paul, when he wrote to the Galatians, Galatians chapter 4, verse 4 5 says when the fullness of time had come just the right time god sent forth his son born of woman born under the law to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons you see when jesus came god's plan was about to be fulfilled Because Jesus came with a purpose, and that purpose was to redeem, to seek, and to save after that which was lost. It's the message of the good news, that Jesus came to save sinners, you and me, to bring men and women back into a relationship with God. That's His mission. That's why He sent Jesus. John in 1 John 4 says that God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent His one and only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. And just as God sent His Son, Jesus, into the world, Jesus sends His disciples. John 20, 21. As the Father sent me, so I am sending. God is a sending God, a missionary God. He uses men and women to accomplish His purposes. But He doesn't leave them to their own devices, their own wisdom. He promises His presence, the power of the Holy Spirit. John 16 tells us that that Spirit would go out and convict the world of sin, that it would work to make Jesus known, and it would be the power needed to accomplish the mission. Oh, and after the resurrection, Jesus appeared and He promised His disciples to to pray and to wait because He was going to send the Holy Spirit. And while those disciples were praying and waiting, God was in the business of sending and filling them with His Spirit. And you read through the book of Acts the story of God's church on mission in the power of the Spirit. You may have heard many times the church has a mission and there's always been a big push in the last 20 to 30 years for churches to have a mission statement. But Ed Stetzer, who studies the church and is the professor of evangelism at Wheaton College, says it this way, God's mission has a church. You see, the New Testament is clear. Followers of Jesus are to engage in His mission. And so the second thing, God's mission has a church. What does that mean? Jesus sends out men and women who come to know Him as Lord and Savior into the world to proclaim the message of salvation, to share the good news that through His death, burial, and resurrection, Jesus has made it possible for men and women to be reconciled to God. And so what God started, Jesus calls on His church to continue. God's mission. And in these verses that we read in this Great Commission, God gives His church a mandate. He gives us the marching orders. Jesus said to His disciples, So send I you that going Being sent, that living a life of purpose would be part of our task in fulfilling His mission. He told them that they would be His witnesses. He tells us we will be His witnesses. Now we know what a good witness does. A witness tells about what they've seen, what they've heard, what they've experienced. So they tell the the good news about Jesus, tell how it has made a difference in their lives and how it can make a difference in the lives of others. Another part of that mandate is to go and to make disciples go. It's been a challenge for a lot of us lately. If you're a goer and you've been limited in your going, it's a bit um, cumbersome to have your going slowed by restrictions. But going has always been a part of life. God is always working. God never sets still. And He assumes that we, as His followers, would be moving out around the places that we live and even to the ends of the earth. And that moving would take us and stretch us beyond our comfort zones so that we would have an opportunity to be a part of God's mission to reach other people. So when he says go, it carries the force of both as you're going, because you're naturally going to go, and also the idea of you need to be going with intent, with purpose. And as we go, we would teach all the things that Jesus commanded. His words, His commands... Because knowledge, biblical knowledge, should lead toward obedience. Knowing the truth is the pathway to freedom. Walking in the truth. Walking in obedience is the pathway to blessing and pleasing God. And it's the the evidence, the proof that we are His disciples. And then we would baptize new believers. That there is an assumption that as we are sharing that people will respond it was a a beautiful story that happened in our church just a few days ago got a call from a parent our our little girl prayed to receive Jesus this morning and just like the Ethiopian eunuch she just said I want to get baptized today because we've got a pool right next door and so you had salvation a prayer of salvation a a song of praise and a dance of praise and then a baptism and a celebration. See, God, when Jesus speaks these words, He's just assuming that we're going to be going. We're going to be sharing. And as we go and share, His Spirit's going to work. And that people are going to walk in obedience to Jesus. And they're going to be saved. And as a part of that, they should identify with Him through baptism. But not only does Jesus give us a mandate, he also gives us a message. The gospel. Have you ever just said to yourself in regards to sharing or witnessing, I I just, I don't know what to say. And that's an excuse we offer up many times. I I don't know what to say. Jesus has given us the, the message. He's given us something that we should live out in our lives, but he's given us something that we could should speak about. Because the good news, if we're called by Jesus' name, it's inside of us. And what we have to tell is God's personal story of transformation. How God changed your life. What God did for you. And then in love you share, this is what God did for me and this is what God wants to do for you. And as the old Him says it's a story to tell to the nations. It's a story for every nation in every place. It's for everyone. Jesus says, Make disciples of all nations. As far as we know, in the world, there are over 11,000 distinct people groups in the world. So there's more than 11,000 distinct people groups. More than 6,000 of those, more than half, still have not been reached with the gospel. What that tells us is that this process of making disciples of all nations is still unfinished work. But in the midst of this unfinished work, God is still building a people from every tribe, every nation, every tongue. And Revelation says it's going to be more than we could count. We like statistics, especially as Baptists. We like statistics, but the numbers are going to be more than we can even count. And they're going to be standing before the throne and the Lamb, praising and glorifying God. But God also gives us a motivation. You see, we're motivated to go by... Jesus' authority, and by His presence, Jesus begins His words, All authority in heaven and on earth have been given to me. Whether we like it or not, whether the world accepts it or not, Jesus has universal authority over all things. Over all things. was granted to Him by God the Father, you can see that in Matthew 11, verse 27. It's what Daniel prophesied in Daniel chapter 7. And we go. One of the reasons we go is because Jesus has all authority and he commands us to go. We can't lose sight of the fact that this passage, go and make disciples, is not an invitation. It's not an alternative. It's a commandment. Jesus, the one who has all authority over all things in the universe, says go and make disciples. But He doesn't send us out alone. He goes with us. Because not only do we have the authority of Jesus, we have the presence of the Lord Jesus, the one who is Emmanuel, God with us, promises to His followers, I will be with you always. Literally, I will be with you all of the days. All the days. So if you're a follower of Jesus, if you're called by His name, there's never a moment, there's never a time that the presence of the Lord Jesus is not with you. We can go out in His authority with the guarantee of His presence and be his witnesses by his name with his spirit and share the good news of the kingdom it's both the most important work of the church and one of the most neglected works of the church if you don't believe me just look at baptism numbers across our own denomination somewhere along the way we replace go and tell with come and hear and here's the problem Those who need to hear, those who are apart from Jesus, aren't coming to us. They have different reasons. Some legitimate, some just excuses. But they aren't coming. And the solution, the plan from the very beginning, has always been for us to go to them. Romans chapter 10, verses 14 and 15. How then will they call on Him in whom they have not believed? and how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard and how are they to hear without someone preaching don't get caught up on that word preach it doesn't mean a preacher has to go it just means to proclaim the truth and how are we to how are they to preach unless they are sent as it is written how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news God's mission has a church, but we also need to remember that God's mission has an enemy. Satan, the evil one, will do everything in his power to sabotage, to slow, to hold up God's mission. Anything in his power to try to hold up God's mission of sending the good news out to the nations. And we need to know this enemy, Satan, is real. Ephesians calls him the prince of the power of the air. 2 Corinthians calls him the god of this world. Jesus himself in John 12 calls him the ruler of this world. And he is real. But he's limited in his power. See, he's not the opposite of God. He's not equal to God, but just the opposite force of God. He is subordinate to God. He cannot do as he pleases. He can only do as he is allowed in the allowance of the Father's will. His power is limited. He is powerful, but it is limited. And he can't be everywhere at once. We say God is omnipotent. He's all-powerful. Satan is not. We say that God is omniscient. He knows everything. Satan doesn't know everything. We say that God is omnipresent. Satan is not. He can't be everywhere at once. And lastly, he's defeated. See, when Jesus died on the cross and rose again, the devil was defeated. The reason Jesus came the reason he appeared in the world was to destroy the works of the devil John tells us in 1 John chapter 3 and that victory was announced and secured at the cross and it'll be finalized when Jesus returns But in the meantime we have to understand that he is determined he is relentless In fact, 1 Peter 5 describes him like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. He uses deception to achieve his purposes. He spiritually blinds the lost we find in 2 Corinthians. He's the father of lies and he seeks to steal, to kill and destroy. But remember this, he's no match. For the truth of God's Word. Jesus in the wilderness using Scripture to fight the temptations of the devil. God equipping us, Ephesians 6, with the sword of His Spirit. And the power of His Spirit with the truth of His Word. We can stand against the enemy. And we need to. We pray that God would open blind eyes. That God would open doorways, that God would create atmospheres and opportunities for the gospel to be shared, that his spirit would go in to the places we can't and work the work that we can't to bring salvation to those. Paul shares his testimony many times throughout the book of Acts, but in Acts chapter 26, verses 17 and 18, listen to what he says delivering you from your people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. And they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Paul, recording what the Lord Jesus spoke to him, I am sending you to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. And if you are a follower of Jesus today, His word to you is this, I am sending you. Because the fourth thing you need to know is that you have a part in God's mission. God's mission is not just for a pastor. It's not just for a missionary. It's not just for a Sunday school teacher. No, it's for every person called by the name of the Lord Jesus. John Stott wrote in the words of Lausanne Covenant. If you're not familiar with that, it's just a covenant, an agreement to work together for evangelism throughout the world. Billy Graham was one of the early founders of this movement. He says this in their covenant, evangelization requires the whole church to take the whole gospel to the whole world. Just taking those words of Jesus from the Great Commission, that word all that's repeated over and over again, says it takes the whole or all the church to take all of the gospel to all of the world. And so God's great mission requires... All of us going to all the world to teach all the things that Jesus has commanded. What does that mean for us as we begin to to draw toward a close? The first thing is, is we have to face this reality. You may not want to hear this, and I'm not sure I want to hear this, but this is the truth not being part of God's mission is disobedience it's sin to not be God's messenger to not be sharing your faith to not be sharing the good news about Jesus is direct disobedience to his word no excuse is good enough i don't have the right words won't work i don't have the time no. It's somebody else's job. Better read your Bible. No one is exempt. Everyone's called to share the good news. Why? Because the disciple follows after his master. God sent Jesus, and Jesus sends his followers. So today, in the best, most loving, and sternest way, I can tell you today is the day to stop making excuses and join God in His mission. Repent from not sharing. Renew your commitment to share and rejoin the effort of sharing. We need to see it as sin if we're not sharing The second thing is that we must see people as Jesus does. How did Jesus look upon the people that he encountered? Everyone he encountered. Jesus showed them love. He showed them mercy. He showed them compassion. And Matthew 9.36 tells us that those that are apart from him, he sees them like sheep without a shepherd describes them as harassed, helpless. So they're in trouble and there's nothing they can do about it. The Phillips translation says they're bewildered and miserable. Think about this just for a second. How many people have you come in contact with in the last week, in the last month that you would say are bewildered and miserable? because they're without hope the message uses the adjectives confused and aimless I think those are some pretty good adjectives for the majority of our society bewildered, miserable, confused, aimless sheep without a shepherd in need of a savior how did Jesus respond to those people? did he get aggravated? was he put out with them? Was he angry? Did he ignore him? Did he rot him off? I'm done with you? No. Jesus had compassion for them. He saw the real condition of people apart from him. That they were condemned and destined for an eternity of eternal punishment. That they were headed for hell to be separated from God forever. You see, when we gain God's heart of compassion, it changes our perspective. When we see people through the love of Jesus, it's like having different lenses in our glasses. And looking at mine, they could use some cleaning at the moment. When we look at people through the eyes of Jesus, we see that there are men and women that are unique creations of God. God that are made in the image of God. And we begin to see people, not problems. We see sinners that are just like us. And we begin to understand that Jesus died for their sins, just like He died for our sins, and that Jesus wants to have a relationship with them, just like He wants to have a relationship with us. But compassion does something else. It changes our actions it moves us from apathy to action it moves us away from indifference to doing what we can to make a difference it moves us away from words to action you see when we see people through the eyes of Jesus and we're filled with his love action will come naturally if you see people like Jesus does and you're filled with his love action is just going to happen and we'll begin to engage in activities to reach the lost it's the third thing that it's calling us to do and it all starts with love loving others because God loved us first. Be real honest. You know how unlovable you are. I know how unlovable I am. But we know God loves us, don't we? And love other people with that love in us because God loved us first. What does that look like? Be a friend. Be a friend. Be a good neighbor. Start building bridges. Not burning them. And with that love in your heart, begin to pray. Pray for that person by name. I'm reminded every time I walk in by these two picture frames that we have on each side of the sanctuary of names that we've literally filled the board with, people that we're praying for, that God would bring salvation or God would call them back to Him. Pray for them by name. Pray for God's help by the Spirit. give you opportunities, that God would bring conviction to that person, that God would reveal to them the truth about who He is, who Jesus is, His great love, and pray for those divine opportunities. I honestly believe this, that if we ask, if we're brave enough to ask, God, give me an opportunity today to speak Your truth To speak your name, to share Jesus with somebody, He will make that available each and every time. I believe it so much, I'm afraid to pray it some days. I'm honest. I'm just going to be honest. If you ask, God will provide those opportunities. And with love in your heart, with prayer on your lips, live out the gospel. Paul wrote so much in those New Testament letters to those young churches, asking them simply to be who God called them to be, to live out the truth of the gospel, to speak the truth as they had opportunity, to tell people about Jesus, how Jesus changed your life and how He can change theirs. In short, get on board and be a part of God's great mission. In fact, I think it's the greatest mission. Remember back to the beginning, I told you the story of Operation Dynamo at Dunkirk. It was a brilliant rescue plan. But it wasn't carried out by military ships, professional sailors. No, if you look back at the description by Elliot, one of the most motley fleets of history, Ships, transports, merchantmen, fishing boats, pleasure craft. Look at the 12 disciples Jesus chose. Not experts. Rough fishermen, tax collectors, people from the average heart of life who are willing to accept the call to follow me bring it to today. God's mission is not limited to professionals. It's not limited to Bible scholars and pastors, seminary professors, evangelists. No. His great mission includes laymen, lawyers, tellers, teachers, electricians, engineers, employees and retirees. Because Second Corinthians 5 tells us that we are Christ's ambassadors. And He makes His appeal to the world through us. And in 2 Corinthians 2, it says, Through us, it spreads and makes evidence everywhere, the sweet fragrance of the knowledge of Him. We live in a stinky world. Let's be the sweet fragrance of a loving Savior amidst the stink of the world we live in. We share the good news that reconciliation with God is possible in Christ. God's mission is to gather all people from every nation who will enjoy His grace and extend His glory. Our part in the mission. Go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. few years before World War II began, 1929, China Inland Mission was working diligently men and women to bring the gospel to China. God gave them a vision for 200 new workers who would plunge into the darkness and share the light of Christ in their words. In just three years, by 1932, God heard their cry and 200 missionaries sailed over that time to China. One of those missionaries, a man named Frank Houghton, wrote these words based around a slogan. The slogan was that they were facing an unfinished task. And he wrote these words, facing a task unfinished that drives us to our knees A need that undiminished rebukes our slothful ease. We who rejoice to know thee renew before thy throne the solemn pledge we owe thee to know and make thee known. We go to all the world with kingdom hope unfurled. No other name has the power to save but Jesus Christ the Lord we still face an unfinished task God's mission is still in operation The question today is will we join Will you pray Father we we look at the glory of your mission the success of your mission, the wonder of your mission, the desire that you have to bring the gospel to all parts of the world. We're amazed that you could even save us, that you would want to save us. We're even more amazed that you desire to use us. And we want to ask you this morning... that when met with the challenge of an unfinished task, an ongoing mission to bring the good news of salvation, that we would join in your task. God, I know that many times this challenge of witnessing or evangelism is met with A lot of excuses. It's met with indifference. But Today we're asking you to renew in us a heart of love, a heart of compassion, a heart of the truth of the gospel for the nations, for our neighbors, our friends, for our family, that we would not take this time we have together lightly. As you work and bring conviction by your spirit, help us to see that it is for our good, that you correct us because you love us. That you challenge us because you know that we have the potential to be more than we are in Christ. And so this morning, as we bow our heads before you, we bow our hearts as well. I thank you for the work of your Spirit. That is able to reach and touch every person in every place. I'm just asking God for Your Word to do Your work in our hearts this morning by Your Spirit. Get us right with You. Get us on the right track doing the right things because the work is still there to be done and the time is short. And so, O Lord of the harvest, we look and see the fields that are white and ready we ask you to send your laborers into your harvest and we look to our own lives asking you to grant us the courage and the boldness and the faith by your spirit to say here I am Lord send me we're grateful for your word We're grateful for your presence here this morning and for your spirit that teaches us. And we're grateful for the one who has all authority both in heaven and on earth. The one who is King of kings and Lord of lords. The name above every name. The living, reigning, resurrected, and soon returning King, Jesus Christ, and we pray in his name, amen. We're going to sing together in these last moments we share, um, just to ask you to reflect on these words. The command of Jesus is clear. Whether we choose to obey or not is up to us. The call from the Lord this morning is will you accept the call to join Him on His mission? Reminded of His mandate, of His message, and of His presence. Will you join in standing? And as God speaks to you, don't delay. Respond to His voice.
0: ¿Qué? for a praise to you
1: A quick reminder if you're a church member or attender, you should have received a a letter during the week. And the plan is, Lord willing, to have a brief business meeting following our service next Sunday. That'll be on the 19th. Um, So you should have received that along with a packet of information. And so just keep that in mind next Sunday morning. Um, Just grateful to be able to, to meet together and. Just thankful that you are here this morning. But thankful most of all for a great God who continues to do great things and to be a blessing. So if something God spoke to you something from the message or God spoke to you something else, I would love to hear from you this week. It's always encouraging to hear what God has has done or what God is doing. So feel free to call me, send me a text message or an email and just share those stories. and, And let's just continue to be faithful and trusting. God, as we walk during these days. We want to sing a song as we conclude today and when the music starts, you're you're free to go. So, Lord bless you.
0: Children of the living God, come and sing. Sing as thou children of the living God, sing to the living God. How He loves us with great love. He who sits enthroned above. Our lives, he spilled his blood, sent his spirit like a flood. Children of the living God, sing to the living God.